Okay. So today we're doing an essay, a complete essay, essay five, which flows on the heels of what we just finished. Because one of the ideas developed there in that long essay focusing on the significance of the practical commandment was the idea that also we achieve these goals by learning about the commandments. And that I have said, even learning prohibitions achieve this goal. In this essay, we develop that idea much more. But that explains that even when you're learning something that's completely impractical, meaning it's not that learning is considered as if I'm doing it, both it's not a positive, that the learning is the doing, and also it's, it's not realistic that I is being done. Still, every law, every prohibition is sourced in the energy of spiritual evil, what's called klipa. Because nothing in this world exists without a spiritual energy source. When someone is transgressing the prohibition, at that moment, for that second, minute, hour, day, year, their life energy is flowing from the forces of evil, klipa. Every prohibition, even ones that will never play out in a practical reality, are rooted, their life force is from, the chambers of evil, meaning they do exist. They exist as a spiritual dimension, which means there's some evil that's feeding this act. And therefore, we have an obligation to refine that evil, to extract the godly energy embedded there and thereby remove the power of evil. Because every one of these laws is God's will how we deal with this evil situation. Meaning, as for example, one of the examples, the Rebbe gives her many examples, there's a hypothetical discussion in the Talmud. If a firstborn animal is considered having opened the womb and thus sanctified, if the person assisting the birth entirely wraps up the animal as it's being born. So what's coming through is not initially the animal, but the garment. Now, what's the likelihood of that happening? It doesn't make a difference. That law itself and how God wants us to handle that situation is God's response and way of refining the evil that would occur in the transgression of that act. In other words, every law is a gate drawn from the supreme wisdom. Ultimately, all comes from the infinity of God. As is expressed in the seminal wisdom of the world of being, which then invests itself in sovereignty. The seminal wisdom is considered the father, and sovereignty, Malchus, is considered the daughter. Remember, sovereignty is the expression of God's speech, and thus it reflects the speech of Torah, what we call the oral law, all of the elaboration and all of the details of God's will. So when one learns this, one is really pulling out on the infinity of God that's invested in seminal wisdom, that's in turn invested in sovereignty, and that is being drawn down now by your learning these laws, by your, uh, by your expressing in your speech and in your thought how God wants this situation rectified. In other words, all the forces of evil 
are drawing their vitality from holiness, otherwise they wouldn't exist. Specifically from dimensions of the two lower worlds, the world of forming, Yitzhira, and the world of action, Asiya. And in those worlds, in the backside of the attributes of holiness, the godliness there is feeding, is intermingled with the evil, and is, is nurturing them. What happens when you study the laws, when you, are, when you are actualizing the laws in your speech and in your thoughts? At that point, the godly energy becomes separate and distinct from the energy of evil, meaning it's no longer feeding it. When you are learning these laws, you're separating the godly from the evil. Thus, the evil does not have any more power. It's nothing to feed off of and therefore can't exist. Now, the person could say, how is it possible that my Torah study could accomplish the separation, the refinement of these evils, when originally the supernal wisdom in Torah didn't manage this, and this came to be? In other words, my learning is more powerful than Torah herself? The law is in Torah. I'm just now thinking and vocalizing what Torah already says. I'm not innovating anything. So if Tyra already says this, then Tyra must be far more powerful than me. How come the very existence of this law in Tyra didn't refine the, the evil energies? Why is my articulation of it in thought and speech going to do this? So the Reb explained, based on saying of our sages, in terms of why was it the destruction of Israel, of the land of Israel, it says because they didn't recite the blessings before Torah study, which means on in an inner esoteric way that people studied Torah, but they didn't draw down the infinite light into their study of Torah. In other words, in the holy tongue, to bless signifies to draw down. So evil isn't separated from good by Torah alone. It must be studied in the proper manner as we're saying here, the people studied it improperly and it didn't accomplish the job. But when it's studied properly, the godliness is drawn down more than is there innately. And that godliness is what's refining and separating the evil from the godly energy it's feeding off of. So, from one studying law, the infinite light within the seminal wisdom that's drawn down, that's what's accomplishing the purification of this evil. Now, what is drawing that light into God's wisdom? Because when you study below the likeness of man above, in other words, your spiritual source is engaged in Torah study as well, in its source, meaning in the aspect of sovereignty, as sovereignty is recipient of all the emotions in the world of development and in the world of forming and in the world of action. So think of that power. I'm in this world and I'm studying. And above, on the level of my source, studying is occurring by my spiritual source above as it happens in me below. And this draws down God's energy into the Torah and all of these worlds to affect the separation and refinement 
of the evil that's being fed and taking from the godliness flowing in these worlds. And that's why there's a requirement for every soul to fulfill all of the 613 commandments in all levels of soul, which means in thought, speech, and deed, as in the level of our nisham, our soul, our speech is our ruach, our spirit, deed is our nefesh, our spark. So when I'm studying the laws, I'm utilizing my thoughts, I'm utilizing my speech, I'm utilizing these levels of self, of soul and spirit, and that is affecting and refining all that pertains to my soul among all of these energies above. So that's what's happening now. In the times of the Messiah, well, at that point, there will be no evil. The evil will be completely refined and gone because there will be no godliness feeding it because we separate it all. Are we still going to be studying these laws? Yes, but for a completely different reason. At that point, our study of the laws will affect us and will affect the, the spiritual source of the laws itself. It will affect us and it will elevate our soul in each of its powers of spark, of spirit, of soul, higher and higher. And it will also affect the source of the laws themselves, meaning all prohibitions are a manifestation of the godly energy of severity, of glory. And all positive commandments are a manifestation of the godly energy of kindness, of chesed. And through our study of the laws, the kindness is sweetening the severity, meaning the attributes are fusing. And again, when you have the fusion of kindness and severity, instead of severity making more severe kindness, the kindness sweetens, mitigates the severity. So therefore, all laws, even laws that have no practical application, are very significant for us to study now and are very significant for us to continue to study in the era of the Messiah as well.